Hello, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in flower. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Monday, March 23rd, 2020, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 98. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, Now the Domestic Problem, and ends on page 99 with, Helpfulness and Friendliness. Today's readers are Wendy M., Alice G., Lisa B., and Jen A., the share ID number for yesterday, Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, special edition meeting is 14,292. That's 14292. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Wendy M. to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning. This is Wendy M., a recovered compulsive overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Wendy M. I will now ask Alice G. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, all. Alice G., recovering in Wisconsin. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to serve, and um, thank you for your service. Thank you, Alice G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are in chapter seven, working with others on page 98. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with now the domestic problem and ends on page 99 with helpfulness and friendliness I will now ask Lisa B. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Now the domestic problem. There may be divorce, separation, or just strained relations. 
when your prospect has made such reparation as he can to his family and has thoroughly explained to them the new principles by which he is living, he should proceed to put those principles into action at home. That is, if he is lucky enough to have a home. Though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. Argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. In many homes, this is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done if any results are to be expected. If persisted in for a few months, the effect on a man's family is sure to be great. The most incompatible people discover that they have a basis upon which they can meet. Little by little, the family may see their own defects and admit them. These can then be discussed in an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. This is one of my favorite readings. It's helped me so much in my family life. And, you know, and there is a solution. We're taught that the elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies in our respective homes. And that's really what this paragraph is telling me. Um, I like the word reparation. That means making of amends for a wrong. So when I met with my husband to do my amends with him, to share my amends, I let him know that this is part of my, well, not the, I, I, what I did was I let him know that as part of my rehabilitation, um, what, what the spiritual principles are, what my life is to be like, which consists of working with others, but also um, I, I wanted to show him through my behavior, you know, not really my words because he's heard my words all through the years saying I'm sorry and things like that, but never showing through my actions. So I, it was so important that I show him through my actions because I could tell he was looking at me like, yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. So um, the other thing is it's telling me that I need to put these principles into action at my home and you know gratitude is an action word so all of our principles really can be action words and they all are in the steps Um, I don't need to be concerned about their defects even though they may be glaring I have to concentrate on my own spiritual demonstration again another word for action and when it says argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague I mean avoided like my my alcoholic foods you know that self-seeking behavior, when I start to get into argument and fault-finding, it's because there is some disturbance inside of me and I feel unrest and um, I want to start to pick at you and, and pick a fight, you know. And when I was in the food, I used to try and pick fights so I could have an excuse to, to go to the food. Um, I all love that word atmosphere. Atmosphere means uh, the surrounding influence, the environment. And in um, some of my readings, you know, it talks about the atmosphere of my higher power is harm. There is harmony and freedom. And when I am plugged into my higher power all through the day, moment by moment, there can be harmony and freedom and I can bring that to my environment around me. Even if the people around me don't want to have harmony and freedom, I can maintain harmony and freedom inside of me by being stable and secure and strong in my steps and in my program and in my abstinence, always first and foremost. Um, And it says that these can then be discussed in an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness and that's giving me a suggestion of a type of attitude I want to have, which is to be helpful and friendly. And this is always wrapped up for me with step 10, you know, and step 11 of really um, 
closely looking and taking an inventory of what, why am I disturbed? You know, what is my part? And sometimes, and, and I love in how it works, it talks about how I cannot be helpful to all people, but I can trust that God is going to show me how to take a kindly and tolerant attitude of them. And sometimes that means just being quiet just being quiet and praying for them, but just being quiet and plugged in to my higher power where there is harmony and freedom. So this part of the chapter starts to get into the domestic, and I I love this part. So thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. If you haven't shared in this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 98, In the big book, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. This is Laura W. from from Boston. Larry K. I I got Katie G. and Larry K. I didn't hear Lisa O. Laura W. from Pennsylvania. Debbie H. Laura W. from Pennsylvania. Des M. from California. One second. Who's from Pennsylvania? Laura W. Laura Jana R. Pennsylvania. Um, Debbie, someone was after Laura. And then Des M. Des M. I heard. And Debbie H. R. Okay, I think we better stop there. Debbie H. I think you were after Laura N. in Pennsylvania. So here's who I have. Katie G. Um. I think that's right. Uh, Larry K, Vasa O, Laura N, Debbie H, Des M, and Nessa R. And we'll take more names after these people share. So, Katie G, did I get that right? You did. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Boston. You know, I don't remember when I first, like, came to awareness that we were reading this on the Vision for You meeting. And what I was so uncomfortably aware of is that in a state of recovered abstinence, argument and fault finding were my MO. They were my, it's what I was doing. I remember talking to my sponsor and reading with all of you and um, having a lot of domestic problems um, with the man I'm now um, married to and not knowing how do I change this? What do I do? And feeling completely desperate. And, and it wasn't because I was a bad person. It's because I was a fearful woman. And when I have fear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick you apart. I'm going to take you down so that I feel better, right? That selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my problem. And so what I started doing on a daily basis is in addition to listening to 84 to 88, I, I listen to 97 to 100 daily to remind me argument and fault finding are being avoided like the plague, Katie. Avoided like the plague. You, need to, you are the creator of an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. And it took a woman in whom the problem had been solved to say to me, these little comments, these little jabs, they are eroding the emotional fibers of your husband, of the man that you love. Those little jabs, those little slights, the defensiveness, the unkindness. You know, and, and, and why is it to be avoided like the plague, right? The plague is a disastrous affliction, an epidemic disease, death. Why is it to be avoided like the plague? Because resentment is the number one offender. Resentment and argument and fault finding are going to lead me what? 
back to the food. Why? Because eating will be a step up because I will be so focused on you and what you're doing and me and my self-righteousness that I'm going to eat because eating is the only solution for me, right? And so today, I'm not perfect at this at all. But today, I integrate the practices of patience, kindliness, tolerance, love, and silence. Silence. And I know one of the transformations that has happened is as the result of being open with my husband and saying, I was wrong. I regret my behavior. I'm a fearful woman. And I tore you apart. And that is unacceptable behavior. And I am working on this diligently. And here's my plan of action. And I want you to feel free to tell me when these behaviors start up again. As a result, he is able to speak with me honestly, right? Because we are not looking to tear each other down. And I'm not saying it's bliss. But what I'm saying is there's a level of honesty. And if I don't continue with that and stay out of resentment, again, eating's going to be a step up. So there is something for me to learn with this every single day, which is why I listen to it. And I'm so grateful to see transformations. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie G. Larry K. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Larry K. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, it reminds me, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, right? That, that's in the promises. When, when we've completed this sequential process, we've ceased fighting anything or anyone. Um, you can always tell, um, I, I, boy, when someone's recovered, you just can tell, right? That, that there's, there's, there's something you can tell. You can, hear, you can see it in their eyes. You can hear it. You know, it says he should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. Argument and, and fault finding should be avoided like the plague. So in working with others, remember, the big book is reminding us how to guide the still-suffering addict through the steps. That's, that's what we're doing here. And I, and I think it's important to acknowledge that a recovered alcoholic, someone who's been through this sequential process, they're already capable of demonstrating these spiritual principles in their respective homes. They've been reborn. They've been, you know, they've, they've moved from a self centered consciousness to a God centered consciousness. And, and as a result of this transformation from the steps, right, they can't help but convey a message of love and tolerance to in their families, but also to their sponsee. And that's what we're talking about here. And I think it, 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 this goes without saying, if someone is sponsoring, but they are still wreaking havoc and confusion in their family because they never completed the sequential process, or, or, or maybe they're still you know, strung out on their heroin foods, this doesn't make them a bad person, but let's, let's get honest about the damage we may be doing to OA as a whole. It's not just to the individual. Because a person who's not in a recovered state of being by the grace and mercy of God is very likely still operating like a tornado, right, in their family. They're, they're still lashing out at family members or perhaps they're, they're isolating or detaching. All the things that, that, that we do when we're, still, when, when we're still practicing the disease. And the point is, as recovered sponsors, we're able to demonstrate love and compassion, not anger and division. And God's given you the ability to do that. And when we have true access to power as the result of these steps, God removes that argumentative character defect. Criticism begins to fall away. That's what I've seen. 
And that's what we're going to convey to our sponsees as they're navigating through these steps. So thanks so much, Rebecca. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Vasa O. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Florida. And that's why I keep coming. This is just, an, you know, I have to be reminded all the time with how to continue with my recovery. But I remember when I came into OA and the 12 Steps and the Big Book many years ago, I did. I hid it from my husband. I wouldn't tell him about it because I was just so afraid he was going to talk me out of it. So after a while, he kept. He said, "Where are you going?" Because I was mostly a home person, person available to my family, my husband, my children, whatever. And it was a threat for him. And uh, he, he. And finally, I told him. I said, I'm going out because it's a, I'm on a diet. He had no problem when I went to the Weight Watchers, other places, because, um, like, this was a change for me. This, this was just different, completely different what I was doing. And uh, he did not want me to go to OA. He tried to talk me out of it. He said, you don't need that, especially when I started talking about emotions and feelings he thought he should be everything to me. But I realized he's only a human being, and I'm a human being. I cannot be everything to him, and he cannot be everything to me, especially when it came to the food addiction. I wasn't his buddy any longer, eating the way he, won, he was eating, and he didn't have the problem anyways. But he tried to push certain foods that we ate together. But anyways, I, you know, I just had to, no matter how much he tried to talk me out of it, I had to develop a relationship with a higher power gradually, and I knew no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to be protected from God with whatever I was doing because I was into prayer, meditation. I was getting involved with, you know, my sponsor, my programs. And I, you know, and I was not going to argue anymore with him. I just have to I had to focus on my own recovery and take the focus of him, what he was doing. So it's recovery, recovery, recovery. That's what I keep on hearing, and that's what. And he loves it now. He reminds me. I, I mean, yes, our relationship has changed over the years. I've grown, and because of me, he's grown. He, you know, he reminds me. And I also had to learn to set boundaries and speak up for myself. He didn't like that at the beginning, but he, it's okay now. We can set boundaries with each other and uh, encourage ourselves with things. And uh, there's just so much more growth and so much healing because, thank you, because of my recovery. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Laura N. Hi, this is Laura W. From and I'm oh. grateful. Uh, it's okay. I'm grateful as a food addict in recovery from Pennsylvania, and and thank you for your service, Rebecca. I I just had to take one step back and look at the little tiny paragraph before because for me I have to look at that I can get well regardless of anyone, and that starts with trusting my higher power who I choose to call God and cleaning house and. 
Um, for me, this reminds me of that dubious luxury of normal, it says men, for I have to do this because I need to stay daily, one day at a time. I recover one day at a time based on a spiritual recovery and transformation one day at a time is that change for me. It changes my life and my relationships and keeps me in that spiritual recovery, which keeps me safe from that food addiction, which there's no cure. I, I must repeat these things on a daily basis. And I know that erosion comes slowly and I won't see it. So my recovery prescription is at that avoid argument and fault finding regardless of what others do. And in, in my house, that's harder for me than outside my house. Um, and so I have a teenager, and I have a built-in training program for somebody in my house who, who is, who, as, a, as a result of being a teenager, and, and I don't believe it's a character defect, it's just a transition for, for him, to, to be in fault-finding sometimes and to be argumentative. And I get to practice choosing not to do that, choosing to do the loving thing uh, you know, for me. And it's that reparation. So when I look at the definition for amend in my disease, I would blame, absolutely look to other people. It was everybody's fault. It's that, it's that beautiful um, page uh, 60 that I try to do every, every morning to remember that I am selfish and self-centered and self-focused, except for the grace of my higher power in this program. And I have to remember this, this action at home is, for me, is walking the talk it's not just saying it. So in my disease, I'd say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then I'd never change my behavior. But the true definition for me in recovery and amends is that I must transform what I do. And walking the talk means it's my actions that speak and not my, and not my words. So my amends are to change. And I think the hardest amends for me have always been the living amends. One day at a time, am I transformed enough to continue in that promise that I make to somebody through amends? Am I able to still do that? And I had some family members that I would have some brain problems. I would think negatively of them, and I never actually told them, so I couldn't go back to them and say, I've always thought you were really kind of annoying and, and uh, a problem. And so my living amends are to do this loving, um, peaceful, caring, uh, a little by little, how I can be of helpful and friendliness. And, and I have to work on that on a daily basis or I will change back into what I've been. So for me, it's one day at a time. And I appreciate this meeting, especially during these times of isolation. And thank you for letting me share. Rebecca, can you press star one, please? <laughs> I forgot to unmute. Thanks, Melanie. I was saying thank you, Laura W. from Pennsylvania, and that while Debbie H. unmutes, I'll let anyone who just got on the line know that um, we read the third paragraph on page 98 that begins with um, something. My eyes aren't working today. Too good. Now the domestic problem. Debbie H., go right ahead. Hi, this is Debbie H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Kentucky. Um, Good morning, Debbie, Debbie H. The line that I really, as a uh, addict, want to concentrate on is, little by little, the family may see their own defects and admit them. 
These can then be discussed in an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. Because that sounds most appealing to me is, um, you know, to focus on my husband and his defects, and then I could help him in a nice and friendly manner. Uh, but that is not really what this paragraph is all about. Um, that takes the focus totally off of me, and uh, it makes me looking for an outcome, which I have no control over. And as a person who can have a very judgmental and critical spirit, I would never cease finding his defects um, and wanting to help him with them. So I need to concentrate instead on what it says before that. It says we should concentrate on our own spiritual demonstration and avoid argument and fault finding um, like the plague. And so what it's telling me is, you know, I can only control what I say and what I do, and that needs to be my focus. And if I'm working these steps to the best of my ability, I will um, have less of a crit critical and judgmental spirit. And, um, you know, in the um, chapter later on in the big book um, where Paul O. talks um, about uh, acceptance in that chapter he talks about like how he looks at his wife and he said he had his glasses on backwards and um, that when he focused on her defects her defects increased and how he had to turn those glasses around and he had to focus on her assets and when he did that her assets increased and that's what I need to do with the people in my life I need to focus on what they're doing right and um, give them encouragement and love and compassion. Anyhow, that's all. Thanks so much. Thank you, Debbie H. Thank you, Debbie H. Des M. Hi, good morning. This is Des M, Recovering Compulsive Overeater from California. Um, thank you for your service, Rebecca. And um, I'm assuming I'm being heard, I think. Um, I'm yeah. super grateful to be in the meeting today. Um, you know, it's usually when I'm um, having trouble sleeping that I get to dial into the East Coast meeting. So it's like bittersweet, but I'm so grateful. And um, the paragraph, wow, like a lot came up for me. Um, the argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague. And um, what I'm thinking about right now is how, um, so I just, um, I relapsed on Wednesday um, after having seven months again. So it's my second relapse um, ever in um, OA and um, it was really humbling. And one of the questions that my sponsor and I were talking about when I finally was willing to call her um, a couple of days later uh, was, why am I not recoiling like a hot frame from the food but I do that from my from another substance. And um, this is reminding me right now in quarantine, you know, I've gone on walks with my dog and being six feet away from people, like I'm, I respect um, what we're going through right now and I'm willing to do that, but I wasn't willing on Wednesday to be six feet away from my bench foods, you know? And what happened was, you know, for anyone who's struggling out there, who just needs a reminder that so that you don't have to go in the food. Um, I had a buildup of human emotions. I was doing 10, 11, and 12, but I wasn't sitting quiet enough with God. My 11th step was um, not what it could have been. And then the 10 steps weren't coming because my quiet time with God wasn't coming. And then 
um, what happened was the 12-step wasn't coming as much. I wasn't going to as many meetings. And um, I'm really grateful today to be on, to be in a meeting. And it's cool to be having been coming to Vision for about a year. Um, you know, I'm used to doing the phone meetings, so it's nice kind of for us. And I've been doing more Zoom meetings now. Um, and something else that came up was just trusting in God um, and cleaning house. And um, what came up for me when I just did like a mini fifth step, I did some 10 steps yesterday um, that, you know, I wasn't trusting in God. I was distrusting God, trusting in myself, trusting that the food was going to work. And I can tell you, I've never experienced the craving so bad. I've experienced it when I was in the disease, but I didn't know, there was no name to it. It was just me being in the food and rationalizing without any big book knowledge, without a knowledge of my disease, with the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. And I was in the food and I was using my abstinent foods. I was only in my alcoholic foods, but my abstinent foods were growing. I was eating them. My behavior, you know, was growing. Um, and so they were became alcoholic because for me, I have to be specific on some of them. Um, and I got to tighten up my abstinence in the last um, few days. And, um, you know, I got to be honest, too. I wasn't willing when I called my sponsor. I um, She said, well, what took you so long to call? And I said, because I don't know if I'm really not willing to be in the food. And thank God for me, I know being in the food is dying. I was just thinking about killing myself, depressed, mm -hmm. as we're all, um, thank you, um, just to wrap it up, we're all going through this, but I was in self and it was very humbling. And today I'm less in self and so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for letting me share and have a beautiful day. Thank you, Des M. Nessa R. And then we'll take more names. And we're at the third paragraph on page 98. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R. Recovered in uh, Toronto, Canada. Um, I was a, I was like a tornado rolling to people's lives, especially my family's lives. Uh, but hey, I was justified, you know. Um, I was arguing and finding fault because they made me. They were arguing. They were uh, finding fault. They were not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and we were living in complete and total acrimony. Um, you know, my relationship with my husband was horrible. Uh, my children were afraid of me. Um, it was just not a, a, a good place at all. Um, and so I've learned in recovery, and I, I, thanks to this beautiful uh, program, everything is completely the opposite now. Um, and I, because I've learned um, through the recovery process, um, and because my sponsor drilled it into me that when I have a problem, I am the problem. To this day, when I go to her and I tell her somebody's driving me crazy, she says, Inessa, go look in the mirror. Um, you know, before I used to live, uh, blaming others for my situation, living in his only saying, you know, God, change them and bless me. And it's totally the opposite now. It's God, bless them and change me because I can only control me, what I think, what I say, what I do. I cannot control other people. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing, the ironic thing is that, and maybe paradoxical is actually a better word, that as I've changed, they've changed. You know, it's kind of like two partners in a dance, you know. They're following the same step, and then when one partner um, changes the step, the other partner wants to get the first partner to go back to the original step. But if the first partner stands strong, then the other partner has to change their step too. And I find that that's what's happening in my, in my house. Um, you know, I've changed my behavior. I toned down. I um, 
I hold my tongue. I practice restraint of tongue. It's like I'm never going to get into trouble for, for what I don't say. And if I want to, I can always say it later when I'm more calm, when I can say it um, with sensitivity, with love, with compassion, or maybe just not say it at all. Um, you know, and so everything has changed in my life. Everything has changed in my life. Um, I don't argue, and I don't find fault. I mean, listen, I just realized it takes two people to argue. They may want to argue, but if I'm, I'm not arguing, um, you know, nothing can happen. And it's such a much better way to, to live. Um, I think it's made a difference um, not only in my life, obviously, but, but in their lives. Uh, I have a great relationship with my children, um, complete and total trust. I'm happy with my husband. We have a beautiful relationship, and you know, like eight years ago, nine years ago, I, I never thought that this that would be possible at all. Um, so, what happened? Very simple. Number one, entirely abstinence. Number two, you know, work the steps to the best of my ability, and never stop working the steps. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. If you haven't shared in this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 98 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute yourself and state your first name and last initial. Nancy Ray. Janet Ray. Janet Ray. Janet Ray. Janet Oh, Loretta H, I got. Crystal P. Andy S. Roz R, Florida. Okay, so um, I know that it was intermittent who I got and who I didn't. It didn't go in order. I apologize. But who I got was Nancy B, Jen A, Pete B, Loretta H, Crystal, I think it's P, and Sandy S, if there's time. Nancy B, go right ahead. Uh, thank you. This is Nancy J from uh, Geneva, Illinois, the western suburbs of Chicago. Can you hear me? Yes, Nancy J. Go ahead. Thank you. And I want to thank you, moderator, and everyone who has shared so powerfully before me. I I think this paragraph is really uh, a wonderful paragraph when you consider the coronavirus and that we're all at home because it talks about a plague. Well, the coronavirus is a plague, and it talks about putting the principles into action at home and that we're lucky to have a home, if you're lucky enough to have a home. And uh, that is such an important thing to realize, that no matter what our problems are, if we have a, a, a bed, a place to be safe, a home at its most basic, just a, a place to shelter you. If you have that, how lucky you are. And then it talks about a family. Well, not everybody has a family. They may live alone. They may not have relatives uh, who are living. Uh, so what is a family? I think a family is anybody that you're interacting with on an intimate basis. And you know, some people create a family of friends or, or neighbors. And so once you have that family and you have that home, uh, then you do a spiritual demonstration. And I think that's such an interesting word, demonstration, because it's saying you have to do something. A demonstration is, is showing something, explaining something, 
by your by your actions. And so it's a very active concept that we're going to live with someone or have a relationship with a community or people we're intimate with, and we're going to demonstrate something spiritual. And I think here it's clear that uh, Bill meant show show the way you live with the, with the twelve steps. And uh, when it says argument and fault finding should be avoided like the plague, well, we're we're in a situation of self isolation, of and we're we're in self isolation twenty four hours a day, day after day after day. Of course, there's going to be tensions and strain in these relationships. We're living in close quarters with people and we're not getting out. We're at home, we're isolated. So this paragraph is just tremendous for all of us with the coronavirus. This is, it's so, just like so many things in the big book, it just seems amazingly uh, on point. And it's just something humorous. My son who lives in Minnesota, I'm in Illinois, was gonna take his dog to the groomer yesterday. And he was explaining to me why it's okay to do that after he had been telling me for days, don't leave the house. And now he's leaving to go to the groomer. And I I said to him, look, this is, I pass. Thank you so much. (laughs) Sorry to cut you off, Nancy J. Jen A. Good morning. This is Jen A. Recovered in Colorado today. Um, working with others, so this is the chapter that we're reading to the person that we're working with. And and when I get to this these paragraphs, you know, I'm reminded there's 150 suggestions in here. And it's telling me and suggesting to me what I should do. I should concentrate on my own spiritual demonstration, right? Focus on Jen Marie. That's what I, 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 I tell people. I got to focus on me, my spiritual growth with God. Right, and when I do this, guess what? And I and, and and oh, it tells me, wait, wait, oh, don't argue and don't find fault in others. Hmm, that was my whole life. I argued with you incessantly, right? I always wanted to win. It was my way or the highway. And if you don't like it, I will run you over and back up over you to make sure that you're really down and I really get what I want. And that was how I lived, right? So I have to remember that the things I do and the things I don't do. And then I turn the page on 99 and I get this beautiful promise, right? That if I persist, right, if I do this continually over and over and over, I don't stop. I keep taking action and I do it for a few months. The effect on my family is sure to be great. And I have to remind myself and I have to remind sponsees that I did this over and over and over and I still continue to do it. I look at every resentment that pops up. I look at all the fears in my life. Why? Because if I bring those resentments, if I keep refeeling, rethinking and rehashing it out, I'm only going to cause havoc. And if I project into the future, all I have is fear. But if I, if I take care of my side of the street, which we talk about a lot in this program, things are going to be great. And then I give them an example, right? My 18-year-old son, who's going through a lot right now, hasn't gotten into his top two colleges yet, got into all the other eight ones, but not the top two. 
just found out that high school is closed, right? They just closed the high school for him for the rest of the year. He will never walk back into the high school. And I get to sit at the, at the table with him. We get to have discussions. I get to lean in and listen and love him, right? And I, let, I get to let God do all the work. That wasn't the mom I used to be. I would have gone in there. I would have told him, you know, quit, put on your big boy britches, get over it, do whatever. And then I would have walked right back out. But you know what my son says about me today? And this is how I know that God's done the work inside of me as a result of me taking action after action after action. He says, my mom is no longer the mommy monster. She's more like Mama Gandhi. And that's where I want to be today. And that's where I want to stay connected to God. Um, spiritual demonstration in my household and all my affairs. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Jen A. Pete B. Thanks, moderator. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pete B., uh, compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting. This is a great job on a, on a Monday or any day. It's a great job. But, uh, you know, I often scratch my head and think to myself, you know what, according to the doctor's opinion in this book, right, that the alcoholic or the compulsive overeater is unable to distinguish the true from the false. Yet they come into the fellowship and we tell them, be honest in every situation, be honest in every situation. And this is yet another place in the big book where it's telling us, don't be honest with the situation. Right? It's saying that your family, the people around you, their faults may be glaring. You can see for sure that they are wrong. Right? And it's telling you to ignore them. Ignore your honestly feeling that there's something wrong with them. Right? It's, I don't have to be the promoter of discord. I could be the instrument of peace. I can be the vision of my God's love, my God's will, and my God's way of life. And I can find a way, if there is something that's truly wrong, to deliver that message. And it doesn't have to be in the heat of an argument or in the heat of a disruptive situation. And I can find a place, I can take a minute and pause. And when I'm offended or hurt or not appreciated or whatever the case may be, and I can pause and reflect and analyze what instinct in me was threatened to cause me to feel that way without having to be to totally truthful and let that person know that you think they're off their, they're off their rocker. They absolutely did something wrong, right? This program is telling me, do not be honest with them. Do not look at that initial feeling. Go back and analyze it and figure out what was threatened. And then perhaps discuss it in a sane and logical manner. You know, the only thing that we have as recovered individuals is the power of example. That's all we have. We can't help nobody. We can't fix anybody. We can't straighten anybody out. And the most important places, the most important places for me to demonstrate these principles is not here on this line or in those face-to-face -face meetings that we darken the doors of. The most important, because you know what? We can fall short in those rooms. No matter what happens, the next day everybody will say, welcome come back. Right? The most important place that I have to practice these, because I could put scars on people that may never heal with my words, with my actions, with my behavior. The most important place that I have to demonstrate these principles is in my homes, my, my occupations, and my affairs. But I have to remember that. Like, like with, with, you know, those, those, those marks, those dings, those dents that we put on people by our behavior, well, they may never heal. 
and we can't cause them to heal because we apologized or found our fault and, 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 and amended them, right? We, we, that, that may never heal. We can't control that. But what's required, regardless of whether or not I'm making up for the past okay. or not, what's required is that I be a good example and a good, and a good expression of my God's love, my God's will, and my God's way of life. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, PP. Loretta H. Good morning, Rebecca, and everybody who has shared on this wonderful, healthy, life-saving meeting. This is Loretta H., compulsive reader, anorexic, graced with God's absence for today. And I always want to cry about that. But um, the um, spiritual principles demonstrating in our homes, and as other people have shared, this is such a time that we're in our homes and the situation is so uncertain that fear just pops up. And I had the privilege yesterday of actually starting my first 10 step. And I have done 10 steps, but not as intensely as I'm doing them now and um, as thoroughly. And God has kept me out of the food. But I want today, especially today, um, and this is why I'm working with this new sponsor, I feel that she has authentic serenity and she practices the principles in all her affairs. And especially today, I need to do that. But she said to me yesterday, and I got to practice this, I do not have the privilege to behave as I did um, before because um, today I have a new direction, a new way of dealing with things. And Otter God, yesterday uh, I got to do a 10-step thoroughly with her and then with my husband. And I can see the change already in my um, home because this morning, uh, as we're, I wanted to share, my husband came in and interrupted me. And I said, I'm sharing, you know, I can't answer your question right now. And as soon as I didn't get on the line, I muted. I went back to him and I said, I am so sorry that I did not accommodate you and, you know, what would you like me to do right now for you? And this is, today I have the privilege to behave in in the spiritual principles. And um, as Dr. Bob said on, I think it's on his story, um, once I abuse the privilege, I lose the privilege. I think it's on 151 in the big book. And I abuse the privilege of food, so I lost that privilege. And I hope not to abuse the privilege of my humanity and lose that privilege. So with God's grace today, everything I do is because I have a privilege to act as a human being um, in a spiritual way. So thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Loretta H. Crystal P. Hi, this is Crystal P. from Toronto. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, when I put down the food and I started to recover, I, I wanted my family to recover too. And the only way I know to do that is to control and to be, to be the director uh, of the play. And so I would, you know, sit up on my high horse um, and I would come up with little schemes to get them to come to OA meetings. I would keep talking about program all the time, hoping it would rub off on them. I'd look down my nose at them, keep giving them advice and little criticisms. Um, and I'd also, like, I'd protect myself because 
I, you know, now that I'm all exposed, now that I don't have a hundred, you know, pounds between me and them, um, I need to take care of myself because I will not be a doormat, you know, um, but my old ways only lead to old results. And the truth is that I can't change myself. Like I can't, I can't make myself to be any different. Only God can do that. The only thing I can do is I can work the steps. Uh, and that's what I did. Every single time there was a disturbance, I worked the steps. I didn't look at my part because when I'm in resentment, the whole thing is mine. And so I just looked at me. And today my life is so different. My relationships are so different with my family. I accept them now. I listen to them. I affirm them. I tell them how much I believe in them. I hug them. I thank them. I show them how much they mean to me. Um, I stopped protecting myself. I realized I'm really bad at that. I'm not good at protecting myself. God is good at protecting me. So even when they push up against me and, and they ask more of me, I can still give generously. I can still be kind. I can help them anyways. You know, somebody once told me, I'm not a doormat. I'm now a welcome mat. You know, it's because I'm now living in kindness. And they don't have a job today. They don't have a job to protect me or to make me feel good about myself. I've taken, that burden has been taken off of them. And my relationship is completely different today. And the best part is I'm not even trying. It's just happening. Thank you, God. This is not me. This is God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. All I had to do was I, what I could do for myself, which is work the steps. Thanks for letting me share. I passed. Thank you, Crystal P. And Sandy S., you have a full three minutes. Sandy S. Now you have a full two minutes. <laughs> okay. I don't hear Sandy S. Who wants two minutes? To close this Hi, up. Sandy S. Oh, there you Sandy are. S. There I am. I was talking away. I thought I was unmuted. I can make it quick. Concentrating on spiritual demonstration. What does that mean? I think what that means to me is, number one, accepting who I am. I mean, that has been so difficult for me. You know, the real principle of the program that I must adhere to is honesty. Honesty with the food the integrity of the food, but more importantly, honest or as importantly, who I am. I have always focused on what's wrong with me. I have not acknowledged my gifts. I have not acknowledged what's going right in my life because I'm so afraid that if I share what's going right, it'll disappear have one thing to share in terms of honesty. This is totally miraculous. Um, One of the things I was totally powerless over in addition to food was sleep, and that is being healed. And anyone who knows me knows how I struggled with that, how I prayed, how finally, finally, it's pretty amazing at my age when I've been told so many old people don't sleep, I am sleeping. And it feels so good. And the truth is, when I'm feeling good, when I'm balanced, I have so much to give to the world. And when I'm in distress, the first thing I have to do is clean house, heal the distress with God's help, and then I can be of true service to other people. And that's focusing on this 
spiritual demonstration, acceptance, surrender, and then just watch the miracles occur. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Yes, thank you for closing us out. Perfect timing. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Monday, March 23rd, 2020, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 14,294. That's 14294. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Jen A. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him each day in your morning meditation what you can do for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.